following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Your discretion is advised. When Nicole Sandler sits down to do her show, she's the producer, booking the guests, pulling the audio, planning the show, the engineer, running the controls, troubleshooting any problems, playing the sounds, calling the guests. She's the webmaster, writing the blog, posting the podcast, maintaining the website, not to mention the host, interviewing the guests, explaining the issues, giving opinions, and calling out the bad guys. And then you get the Nicole Sandler Show on NicoleSandler.com. In honor of this week's, uh, uh, la- last week tonight with John Oliver, um, enjoy this little ditty. Throughout history, there have been many songs written about political goings-on. This song tells the true story of a Supreme Court judge, his wife, and a former advisor, and how this judge fell into corruption, seduced by money and unlimited power. When the sun rises tomorrow, we expect him to come clean, and for possibly the first time in his career, speak truly. Nah, that won't happen. Hang up your robe, Judge Thomas. Hang up your robe and cry. It's time you pay the you can't deny We watched your confirmation We listened to your swill And when it was over We believed Anita Hill Hang up your own speak Truly step down and just comply Tell us where your wife, Jenny, kissed in meadows on the slide. This time tomorrow, please give us a sign. Will you be recusing for better yet resign? Hang up your ropes, project and he did that one actually a few months ago but i had to break it out today because well you know john oliver returned 
just Sunday night. Um, we watched it last night, including John Oliver's awesome offer to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas to retire, to resign. And if he does, he will be able to live the life to which he's become accustomed thanks to his billionaire friends. Now, if you didn't hear it, I actually can't play it for you. I can't play the video because I'll get copyright violated. But I can give you the gist of it um, if you listen carefully. Clarence Thomas is arguably the most consequential justice on the court right now. Mm -hmm. And he's never really seemed to like the job. He said it's not worth doing for the grief. (laughs) So so what if he can keep the luxury perks that he clearly enjoys Mm -hmm. without having to endure all of that grief? Well, I think there might actually be a way to do that because Justice Thomas, we have a special offer for you tonight. Uh We are prepared to offer you $1 million a year for the rest of your life if you simply agree to leave the Supreme Court immediately and never come back. It is that simple. Just sign this contract, resign, and the money is all yours. This is not a joke. If you watch our show, you know jokes aren't really our thing. This is real. A million dollars a year until you or I die. We have spoken to experts who've all told us that best they can tell, this is somehow legal, which seems crazy to me because it really feels like it shouldn't be. But as they keep pointing out, there are no rules in place to stop me from doing this. And let me be clear, HBO is not putting up the money for this. I am personally on the hook. You can make me really regret this. To pay for your retirement for years, but this officer is not. This offer is not forever. Mm. You have exactly 30 days from midnight tonight to make your resignation effective. And if you are still on the fence, I actually have a little deal sweetener that I'm excited to show you. So please come with me. When he gets to the the place to show you what the deal sweetener is, I'm going to show it to you. Because oh my goodness, here in January 6th cases, you definitely shouldn't be hearing to potentially helping roll back decades of federal Mm -hmm. regulations, Mm -hmm. and you deserve a break. You know, away from the sure. meanness of Washington. Right. So you can be surrounded by the regular folks whose lives you've made demonstrably worse for decades okay. now. And the good news is, I think we can help you there. Because Uh-oh. since your favourite mode of travel might be in need of an upgrade, He's, yeah, we RV. are excited you wanted an to RV, offer you... Right? Here you go. I'm going to just show you real quick. This brand new, it looks like a tour bus to me. Marathon oh, my goodness. <laughs> Look at this beauty, Clarence. <laughs> It's worth $2.4 million. Right, I'm taking it off we don't want to get copyright violated. Yes, that is a king bed. One and a half baths, a fucking fireplace, wow. four TVs, Whoa. a wash and dryer, and, and I quote, a residential-sized fridge. <laughs> and if you're thinking, what will my friends say if I take uh, this off? Right? Will they judge me as they sit in their boardrooms right. and mega yachts and Hitler shrines? Yeah. Will they still shrines, treat me yeah. to luxury vacations and sing songs about me off their phones? Well, that's the beauty of friendship, Clarence. If they're real friends, they'll love you no matter what your job is. So I Uh-oh. guess this <laughs> might be the perfect way to find out who your real friends actually oh, are. please. So that's the offer. That's the a offer. A million dollars a year, Clarence. A million dollars a year. And a brand new condo on Whoa. wheels. And all you have to do in return <laughs> is sign the contract and get the fuck off the Supreme Court. <laughs> Talk it over with your totally best friend in the whole Correct. world. Correct, that would be Jenny. Because the clock starts yeah. now. 30 days, Clarence. Let's do this. <laughs> and he just, he threw a bunch of cash up in the air. And he said he can't understand it, but his lawyers say 
it is legal somehow. So I think it's time to call in our legal expert. That would be Lisa Graves of truenorthresearch.org. But she joins us in her capacity as a private citizen, giving her own personal opinions on things. And Lisa Graves, <laughs> did, did did you see that before just now? Or, or are you just seeing it now for the first time or hearing oh, no, it? I watched it. I watched it live on John Oliver's show on Sunday night. And it was a thing of beauty. So then I watched it again. <laughs> That night, just one more time to really Perfect. soak it in. He really just um, knocked out of the park <laughs> in describing for the American people the corruption that uh, Clarence Thomas is engaged in and uh, his brilliant solution to it, which was totally unexpected. <laughs> so uh, just a fantastic um, moment culturally to have this issue recognized by John Oliver and seen by millions of people because it really is such a serious uh terrible situation with our Supreme Court, but so important to have the spotlight on it. Right. So, you know, I urge everyone, watch the whole segment. Now, if you don't have Max, the brilliant new name for HBO, for their streaming service, well, they always post these segments. They actually post the whole show on YouTube. Although I hear now they've delayed it a few days. So if it's not available on YouTube yet... It will be the entire segment. Just give it a couple of days. But it is worth the wait because he does, as you said, Lisa, he goes into the whole backstory on Clarence Thomas and all the shit, not not shit, but really high priced perks he's taken from his very wealthy friends. Um, Now, one one part of it, they show this this. They said it's a painting. It doesn't look like a painting to me. But apparently this portrait, this picture of these billionaires and Clarence um, is hanging in Harlan Crow's home somewhere. And that would be Leonard Leo uh, as we look at the photo all the way to the left. I don't know who the guy sitting up is, but then that's Clarence. That's Mark Tom- Paoletta. Oh, Mark Paoletta. Okay. So t- who is Mark Paoletta? He's the lawyer for Jenny Thomas on the January 6th committee issues, and he's longtime ally of Leo's and uh, was a Trump appointee um, in the Trump administration and um, has been like a major apologist um, flack for Thomas in his vanity projects. Wow. Now, see, Lisa, you're in 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 addition to your legal expertise and your background, you've been a I always get it screwed up, a deputy assistant uh, 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 attorney general. Yes. Yes. I got it right. Finally, uh, you were, you, you were on the Senate judiciary committee working on appointments and nominations. I mean, you've got this great legal background in DC, but you've also spent a lifetime in, um, how research and investigation. And now as you head up truenorthresearch.org, you, you published a piece just uh, a few weeks ago, about three weeks ago, new political hit job targeting Weiss is tied again to Leonard Leo's dark money attack machine. You, you warned us about the Koch brothers. You warned us about Alec. You've warned us about Leonard Leo. I mean, you've been ahead of uh, the corporate media on all of this. And so now it's finally coming. They're they're recognizing your work and you're still writing about it. You're still doing this stuff. So what's this latest? What is with this Leonard Leo? He hasn't been thrust into the spotlight enough, I don't think. What can you tell us about Leonard Leo? Well, Leo is someone who, um, he's a lawyer, went to the same law school I did a few years before me, but he is really and really should be known for being the money man for the capture of the U.S. Supreme Court. 
Um, he's the he's the one who um, told Trump who to nominate, you know, kind of who to choose from and really pushed for his people to get on the Supreme Court. That's why we have this, you know, very crooked court, in my view, a court that um, has people on it who are unfit for public service. Um, he actually <clears throat> helped Thomas get on the court way back when, way back in 1991, um, and uh, was instrumental in getting Alito on the Supreme Court uh, by taking down uh, George W. Bush's first nominee to replace Sandra Day O'Connor uh, helped put Roberts on the court, helped put Amy Coney Barrett on the court oh as God. the election was underway in 2020, just weeks before actual election day, pushed Gorsuch onto the court after helping to block the open seat that existed for more than a year <clears throat> after um, uh, Anton Scalia died uh, on a hunting trip at a fancy <laughs> resort with his fee being paid by some other person who um, as John Oliver points out, had some business before the court previously. Um, and so Leo has really played a central role in uh, trying to redirect our law to um, serve his agenda, his personal agenda to overturn Roe versus Wade, to overturn most of the, the major precedents of the 21st century legal precedents. But it's not just this U.S. Supreme Court. It's also the state's the state. Pardon me. It's also the federal courts in the states. So, for example, Matthew Kazmarek, who's a district court judge in Texas, the one who reached out, you know, was basically handpicked by the anti-abortion activists to try to destroy the FDA's ability to authorize abortion medicine. Right, right. He's a Trump appointee. Um, and then you have the state Supreme Courts where he has played a substantial role in uh, helping to select who gets on the Florida Supreme Court. Um, he's played a role in other other uh, Supreme Courts in the states. Um, and also uh, the AGs, the state attorneys general, probably in 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 some of your states, some of your listeners states have been uh, part of uh, Raga Republican Attorneys General Association, a group that Leonard Leo's groups are the biggest uh, known funders of. Um, so basically trying to use the power of the state attorneys general, like in Idaho with uh, the Idaho attorney general who has been, um, you know, attacking emergency room access for health care for women who are pregnant, who might need an abortion um, for their health. <clears throat> um, basically, uh, his role, uh, his, th that attorney general came on. He's been supported and part of Raga. So Leo has um, his hands in a lot of issues that are really um, repressive and regressive. But also he has um, been trying to. Uh, just change the legal profession overall through helping to lead the Federal Society. And he also has helped fund a thing called Teneo, which is basically trying to have uh, far right people uh, really in all key parts of society and business and, and other roles. And then most recently, he's been um, attacking, uh, helping to attack the efforts to have ESG, which is basically investment in clean energy in this time of this climate oh crisis. God to basically bar that um, and call that woke or suggest that it's outrageous for, for states to choose to invest some of our, some of the funds or pension funds in uh, clean energy. How dare they? How dare um, so they? So he's really, he's really extreme and his agenda is really extreme for our country. It's really extreme for the courts. Um, and he's gotten very rich in the process of being a volunteer uh, for Trump. Suddenly, while he was working at the Federal Society, while volunteering for Trump, he paid off his mortgage 22 years early, <laughs> right before Kavanaugh was confirmed. He oh. purchased a mansion in Maine for three million, more than $3 million, a million dollars in cash and $2 million in a mortgage. After the Washington Post broke the story about the 
mansion in Maine in May of 2019. That summer, he paid off that mortgage in full, $2 million plus to pay off that mortgage. Then after he left the Federal Society as his day job, he bought a second mortgage, a second mansion in Maine nearby, bought a church in Maine. Uh, and then we learned that he had become the trustee of this thing called the Marble Freedom Trust, which um, is uh, was filled with more than $1.6 billion by an anti-choice billionaire out of Chicago to give to Leo oh to basically God. try to remake American society in his image. Sorry, that's, that's my, all. That's, that's a pretty all? long that's it? sketch, but that's and who Leonard do, Leo is. And, yeah. and do, so for, for those who are just listening to like a, the, the audio stream, say on Progressive Voices or another online radio station, Lisa just ra- rattled all that off the, off the top of your head. You just it was boom, 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 and it kept going. This guy, and he's he's been aside from you know reading your work, his is a name. Leonard Leo is a name that is not on the tip of everyone's tongue. He's he's been sort of under the under the shadows. He's been able to fly in the dead of night, sort of undetected, where others are getting a lot of. Uh, Harlan Crow, for instance, came to prominence with the ProPublica story on on uh, Clarence Thomas that broke his, you know, his. I, I think the term, I think the Yiddish term is snoring. Like he 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 hangs out with rich people and gets stuff from them. He just benefits from being in their orbit. Um, so ProPublica, you know, has run a series of these, but you've been doing these stories, and again. You're the first person who I ever heard talk about Leonard Leo, and to the extent that you have, he hasn't gotten the publicity he deserves, has he? I don't think he has. I I think people need to know who he is. He, you know, has his own sort of family story about being a person of faith. Um, You know, everyone is entitled to their own faith and that sort of thing. But what Leo wants to do is basically use the law to impose his his own beliefs on other people. I think that's anti-freedom that's the opposite of freedom and and i to me like when i think about america one of the amazing things about the experiment that is america is this notion that we don't have a state religion we don't have a government that's a theocracy people have freedom of worship or to not worship to um, not believe any particular faith at all they have this freedom of conscience and people have a right to make their own choices if someone personally is opposed to abortion and they don't want to have abortion no one should make them have abortion this isn't china but they shouldn't be able to like basically export their personal view about what they would do if they were impregnated if they were raped if they were a victim of incest if they just didn't want to have another child um, no one should be able to impose that view on them based on their someone else's religious beliefs and that was that's what these legislators who are also very tied to leo Uh, and his agenda have been doing is basically substituting their judgment for the judgment of women and doctors uh, trying to take away the rights of of pregnant Americans to decide what's best for their health, what's best for their lives, what's best for their families. And then you saw it just in the past couple months in Texas, where the Texas Supreme Court uh, set aside the findings of um, of the doctor, of the woman who whose uh, fetus was not viable, who was risking her ability to have have children in the future if she kept this pregnancy, and they basically forced her to go out of state. And so yes. it's such hubris and well, arrogance and there's for some more. people to think they should impose their views on other people that way. Right. And you saw what happened in Alabama. Just I think it was just yesterday. An Alabama court ruled that frozen embryos are children. What? Uh, So this is, there's this faction trying to push their beliefs on us. You know, Donald Trump, 
is trying to push through, you know, he's talking about uh, a national religion, maybe not using that term, but saying if they don't like our religion, they can leave. What is our religion? And since when did Donald Trump get religion? Obviously, it's these people, I think, with their money having a, a undue influence on him. Is that fair to say? Well, I mean, Trump is an opportunist and and was certainly happy to do the bidding of the evangelicals and the right wing um, evangelical Catholics, not Catholics. Most Catholics support uh, people being able to make this decision. Um, they are Catholics for choice. There are numerous votes, as we've seen in Ohio and Wisconsin, other states where people of conscience know that it's wrong to try to make a decision for someone else about their pregnancy. <clears throat> and so but he represents a, a sort of a very narrow portion of that. Um, group, along with some of these evangelicals who suddenly, you know, uh, about 40 years ago, decided that they were going to get involved in the abortion issue as part of a culture war issue. But, you know, to me, this this question of like, you know, when does life begin or, you know, what is the status of an embryo that is not breathing, is not, you know, is frozen? Right. Um, you know, to me, when you look at the 14th Amendment, it says that all persons born or naturalized in the United States are, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States. Um, our constitution actually says, um, you know, basically your citizenship begins at birth. When you're you don't born, get to be a citizen, right. you don't get to be a citizen based on conception. And this notion that that conception is where rights begin basically nullifies the rights of, of, of pregnant Americans, <laughs> nullifies the interests of the women who um, may be facing severe emotional uh, challenges or physical challenges or health challenges, as well as the risk of their life. In 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 uh, Idaho, basically the way that law is written is the doctors cannot help the pregnant woman unless she's basically on the brink of death. Unreal. And what the Impala says, the uh, emergency you know access to to medicine um, says is that. Um, these hospitals that receive um, federal funds have an obligation to protect the health of women. And so the fight is about whether doctors can actually protect the health of the women before they're on the brink of death. And imagine a circumstance, which we've seen now told over and over by women who've testified before Congress, where you're forced to wait until you may actually die imminently before yeah. you get treatment, before you're able to have an abortion. It's it's shocking. Uh, it's shocking that this extreme view has has um, been allowed to take hold and become law in some of these states. It's contrary, actually, to the faith of, of many people. Um, you know, other faiths, the Jewish faith, Muslim faith, uh, have a different definition of um, when there's, uh, you know, insolment or quickening or what have you. And it's not in the first month. It's not in the second no, month. No, it's, you when, know, it's you, not when, the when you're born. Yeah. When you're yeah. born. Look, I, I'm not big on organized religion. I'm Jewish by heritage. But that's one of the things about Judaism <laughs> that I like. You're not a person. You're not a human. You're you're a fetus until you're born. You don't become a person until you enter the world as a living, breathing entity, so much so that Jews, you know, traditionally, I think, don't they don't fix up the nursery or anything until the baby is born. It's not considered there until it's born. And well, they always consider the life of the mother, the health of the mother. That takes paramount importance. These these crazies who, you know, if there's a fetus and there's a problem, no, um, that you got to protect that fetus at all costs, even the mother's life? 
I mean, it, one of the things that I recall very clearly earlier in my career was this right-wing effort to um, ban what they were calling partial birth abortions, which were um, later term abortions for women who, you know, they may have received a diagnosis that they had cancer and they were going to die if yeah. they did not get treatment. And they may have wanted to carry that pregnancy forward, but if they did, they would carry die. that pregnancy into a world in which they were no longer living in it. And right. and they and their families wanted them to, to live and were making very very hard personal decisions about what to do in the face of extreme medical crises. But these Republicans were determined to ban that procedure um, and, and President Clinton vetoed it. And he had a number of women with him that day who had who had had that procedure because their lives were in danger, because their future ability to bear children was in danger, because their ability to get cancer treatment for serious aggressive cancer was in danger, these heart-wrenching decisions. And then you see Trump on the campaign trail lying to people over and over yeah. by claiming that people are having abortions at birth, or I think he said last week after birth. Yes. They've... Like it's just it's just a pack of lies. Right. One lie after another. And and trying to make it so it's extreme. And in fact, most abortions are, you know, in the first trimester, second trimester abortions are rare. Sometimes it's because people didn't, couldn't get access right away. They had to wait for an appointment because of all these hurdles. Sometimes because they didn't realize they were pregnant earlier on. Sometimes because they have, they're facing a serious physical or mental health challenge. <clears throat> a lot of these states don't allow your emotional situation uh, to be a factor. You have to actually be on the brink of physical death, uh, not uh, be someone who might be suicidal. I mean, it's just, it's just inhumane act after another in disregard of the autonomy of women to trust women, believe women, believe their doctors, let them make the choices that they need to make in their lives and have these predominantly male legislators, although not exclusively, get out of the operating rooms, get out of the clinic rooms, get out of the consulting offices with between people and their doctors. You know, the right wing was uh, lied to the American people about the Affordable Care Act, asserted that it was death panels and that the, the government would be making the decision. And here they are basically trying to impose, in essence, death panels on right. women. Right. Uh, by by virtue of these extreme and restrictive laws, you know, I think we should trust people to make decisions with their doctors. And um, and it really offends me, actually, personally, uh, that anyone would think that they get to make that decision for someone else, that they think that their religion entitles them or their depth of their personal political agenda entitles them to make a decision for someone else, a living, breathing woman born, you know, citizen, someone who has rights to have their rights completely subjugated to, um, you know, to the to the acclaimed right of even a frozen embryo. It's just shocking to me that here yes. we are in 2025 and these regressive, repressive policies are being pushed forward and they are unpopular. That's why Donald Trump wants to pretend that he has or at least float through his through his advisors that he has some sort of supposed alternative. And right. Don't blame him weeks. for Roe. Oh, please. Know? Yeah. It's, First of all, it's, uh, what's it, the word? Bullshit. It's bullshit. It's yeah. bullshit. It's bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. And, but, but here's the thing. You mentioned, Lisa, that the their line that that kills every time I hear it. I scream. I throw things at the television. Oh, the Democrats, they're all for abortion on demand <clears throat> up to and even after birth. It's like bullshit. Not only bullshit, but I've seen, I finally saw somebody on one of these cable so-called news shows challenge one of these people who should know better on it. And he said, yeah, but that's what they have on the books that you can have an abortion up until the time of birth. 
that's specifically for the, the, the instance that you mentioned. It's not partial birth abortion. It is late-term abortion. It's used in the rarest of occasions when there's a real health risk to the mother. That's the only time. And no, there's no abortion after birth or the moment of birth. If they're giving birth, they're giving birth. My God. And it, oh, it infuriates me. And they stick to it. I think that's one thing Donald Trump taught them is even if you know you're wrong, even if you know it's bullshit, you double down on it, you triple down on it, you never, ever admit you're wrong. And that's why there are all these people walking around who don't know basic facts, because they hear this bullshit coming to them from their news source, and I'm doing air quotes for those listening, um, uh, Fox, the, the, these uh, and and that ilk, and they lie to them and they tell them things that are just blatantly untrue, and that's it's it's, and that's so right, Nicole. And the other part of it that it just astonishes me is that in fact, if you look at Roe versus Wade, which was written by Justice Blackman, who'd been a general counsel to the Mayo Clinic, uh, he'd worked with doctors for most of his career. <clears throat> he, in that opinion, that was a majority opinion you know, basically tried to figure out, well, how do you balance these interests like in the first trimester and the second trimester and the third trimester? And um, in the third trimester of the state, he he said in in Roe had a greater interest in trying to make sure that that there were um, sort of a balancing of rights, because uh, if, a, if a, an, a fetus was about to be born, you know, how do you connect with that? So it was never the case that people were having abortions at birth, like no. it, not in 1973, not in 1975 or 85, or like, it's always been a lie. It's been one of their, yep. one of their big lies. And when you look at Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which was the decision that Justice O'Connor wrote, um, I think it was in 1992, uh, 91, 92 on the court, it was basically in response to a law that was passed in uh, Pennsylvania that tried to assert that husbands would have the right to veto their their wives a decision to have an abortion if if you have to have a uh if the if the court has to get involved like that husband should have no say over your life whatsoever i mean the idea that 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 would be the case it's like you have to get your husband's permission it goes back to sort of the whole griswold case in terms of um access to contraception can you get access to contraception um with if you're married with your spouse's permission it's just it's just extraordinarily intrusive and this is from the party that claims to you know, want to get the government off your back, but not if you're a woman, they want them inside your uterus. They want the government to be involved in, you know, those, those decisions, but it's always been a lie under the U S framework under Roe versus Wade, under Planned Parenthood v. Casey, under the law up until that decision in 2022, the Dobbs decision that Alita wrote that overturned Roe versus Wade, it has never been the case that we have like quote abortion on demand in the United States, we've always had this tiered system and the and the and the anti-abortion groups have been opposed to it over and over again and tried to repeal it and succeeded through Leonard Leo in getting the U.S. Supreme Court pact to accomplish that goal and overturn more than 50 years of precedent. And the American people have resisted that, have rejected that. And that's why Trump and some of his, um, you know, uh, followers, people like uh, Independent Women's Voice, um, and Heather Higgins have tried to tell Republicans don't talk about abortion. You know, right. even some of the other right wing groups that are anti-abortion have basically said don't talk about abortion because they know that people are upset about this extraordinarily repressive and intrusive approach to this issue. And now we're seeing the consequences in real people's lives, like the consequences for women who are facing these 
um, terrible circumstances because <clears throat> they can't get access to this this abortion health care. And then you now have this issue where they're trying to um, overturn, like I said, the FDA's ability to uh, authorize to allow access to abortion. And they're even suggesting they're going to use some ancient law called the Comstact, Comst- Comstock Act to uh, prevent access to receiving abortion pills through the mail. Um, and so they are trying to destroy women, you know, people in the United States, uh, girls, teens, uh, and adults' ability to access abortion care, safe care, um, and put people's lives at risk in order to advance their political agenda and their own religious agenda, which, as I said, they are free to make that decision for themselves. For themselves. I think it's right. anti-freedom to decide that you get to decide someone else's medical decisions for them. Absolutely. So, Lisa Graves, you had mentioned about uh, the judge that Trump appointed down in Texas who uh, took it upon himself. Now, as far as I know, he's not a scientist, never went to medical school, has no bona fides in that area. He's a lawyer. He's a judge. And he decided that the FDA's approval 20 years ago of this abortion drug um, wasn't wasn't a qualified approval that they that they didn't have the whatever, whatever thing he fabricated in his mind. He said that this drug should be taken off the market and it's gone through the courts. Has the Supreme Court heard that case yet, or are we just waiting on a decision? Where are we on this? Uh, That that case has been teed up for the Supreme Court. This is a case where um, one of the groups that brought the case was literally created, like, out of thin air to to exist in Amarillo, Texas, which just happened to be a one-judge federal (laughs) district court that happened to have Judge Matthew Kaczmarek, who just happened to lie to the American people, by not revealing to them that he had written an anti-abortion piece, co-written a piece right before he was nominated to the court, um, asked that his name be removed from the piece so he could he could lie about it, say that, that he didn't write it, you know, basically not, uh, he omitted it, even though he knew that he had co-written it. So he was, you know, he was handpicked because he's an anti-abortion zealot. Um, he was put in this court because he's an anti-abortion zealot. He lied to get that seat by not disclosing that material fact about his role in pushing for this ant- extreme anti-abortion position. Didn't recuse himself from the case, even though he has an extreme anti-abortion decision. In fact, right. took the case, uh, you know, full on without recusal, a case that was manufactured by these right wing groups. He cited studies that were uh, that claim that the abortion pills are um, unsafe. Studies that were funded by the Charlotte Lozier Institute, uh, a thing that sounds like an institute, but is really an arm of SBA, Susan B. Anthony List, Pro-Life America. Susan B. Anthony List, not actually authorized by Susan B. Anthony, who's long dead, right. but trying to <laughs> use you. her name, like Charlotte Lozier's name, to claim that they've got some moral or historical authority. But basically, they're an anti-abortion weapon, you know, kind of weapon in the right-wing arsenal. And um, two of those studies were just retracted. The two of the studies he cited were just retracted because of that bias, because of that conflict. Um, And because they were, you know, actually outliers compared to dozens and dozens of actually independent studies, not underwritten by anti-choice, anti-abortion zealots uh, that found that this drug is, is safe, is, you know, safe and has been used millions and millions of times in the U S and abroad um, with, you know, very few adverse uh, incidents or consequences um, when you know taken as taken as prescribed. Um, so he takes the case. It goes up to the Fifth Circuit, which is another court that Trump helped pack with Leonard Leo's help, filled with Leonard Leo allies like James Ho, <clears throat> who worked on the Senate Judiciary Committee when I was the chief counsel, 
worked for Jane for John Cornyn is a total anti-abortion zealot. Uh, He takes the case, doesn't recuse himself. His wife is actually super involved, Alison Ho, in anti-abortion activism. Um, He um, asserts in that opinion that not only basically is Matthew Kazmerich's decision, which has been roundly panned uh, as an outrageous, um, arrogant act by a federal judge to overturn nationwide um, FDA approval, Um, Ho asserts that not only that, but doctors have some sort of um, observational interest in the development of a fetus that they can't be deprived of by an abortion, that they have a right, in essence, that exceeds the woman's right. So he's an extremist. Uh, He's someone who I've, you know, known, been acquainted with for a long time. And he that is truly an extremist position. But he, you know, took that position. And now we'll see what this crazy Supreme Court and I say crazy not lightly because I'm shocked by Alito. I'm shocked by his cruelty, by his um, callousness, by his carelessness. Um, I'm shocked by his seeming corruption in my personal view. Thomas's corruption is manifest. The fact that these justices would be so willing to impose their personal views as law when they claim to be rule of law judges, they claim to be devoted to reading the constitution as is they, they pledge that they would follow precedent. And at the first opportunity, once Amy Coney Barrett joins the bench um, in a totally inappropriate uh, nomination and confirmation on the eve of an election after this uh, Republican Senate refused uh, to confirm Merrick Garland for months because it was an election year. It's just a complete gaming of the system in order to destroy people's rights. And the fact that some of these people like Leonard Leo have become enriched in the process of destroying people's rights, it's grotesque. That's the perfect word for it. And it is. It's also this this encompasses my theory of opposite world, because I believe that uh, Republicans like the, the party, you know, strategists and stuff, they loved having the abortion issue. As a fundraiser, having it out there, we're, we're going to outlaw abortion. We're going to get rid of that. They're, that practice of killing babies. We're going to stop it. And it was a moneymaker for them. I don't think they ever expected that it would actually happen, that they'd overturn Roe v. Wade. Because now not only do they not have that fundraising issue anymore, it mobilized those of us on the left to say, you're doing what with our bodies? You're telling us what? And we have now seen since uh, Dobbs, um, since the overturning of Roe, uh, Democrats winning elections that they probably wouldn't have had Dobbs never been decided as it had and and Roe not been overturned. Do you agree with that? You and it's I mean, it's a little bit like the dog catching the car. That's right. Like now what? That's supposed to happen. Um, They got what they wanted and what they wanted is not what the American people wanted, but their base wanted it because they basically have tried to redirect their base from, you know, social activism that would actually embody, you know, Christian values of um, taking action to support the poor or helping the immigrant. Uh, they don't want that. They like have this totally sort of perverse definition of their philosophical basis to, to focus on abortion as the only moral issue and every other issue, every other social justice issue is, is just being too nice to poor people or immigrants or um, or others, it, it's it's just astonishing to me. But but I think you know, in general, my personal view, you know, setting aside my personal view about how grotesque it is for these this contingent of right wingers to be getting 
to be enriching themselves, destroying other people's rights. I also have a, like, I guess an alternative additional view, which is I think the American people are, you know, a lot better than sometimes they're portrayed in the news or portrayed in the press. I think I hope people so. do. Yeah. Do want freedom. They don't want to take over someone else's medical decisions. They want people to have access to healthcare. They want healthcare themselves. They want to be able to make decisions. They want to have their own freedom of worship. They're not trying to make other people worship the same way they do. Most people, that's not their agenda. But for a fringe group that has power uh, seemingly within the Republican Party and a lot of money from these billionaire benefactors who themselves, you know, uh, got very rich either through inheritance or, you know, sharp business practices or just being in the right place at the right time mm -hmm. with a whole bucket of money to to spend and accumulate. They think that they because they've got money, they think they have a right to impose their views on other people. It's so appalling. Like it's anti-democratic in the small b democratic sense. Like we live in a democracy where people, you know, People have the right to vote equally. One person, one vote. Right. Not like not like as John Nichols and, and Bob McChesney said, like dollarocracy, where you right. have more dollars and so you get more votes. But that's how these uh, these right wing billionaires are operating. They have this massive wealth. A lot of it has been inherited, um, you know, like Charles Koch, and then they've compounded it. Um, I suppose, unlike Donald Trump. Trump but who's like, lost it, keeps losing his, it and yeah. it grips but, to get more, but, right? But, you know, the idea that just because someone's a billionaire, they basically get to dictate their religious views on you. It's it's anti-American, actually, quite frankly, to have that sort of attitude. In fact, one of the things, like I said, that has made our country strong over the years is that the country, you know, like warts and all yep. uh, with, you know, uh, you know, a lot of the things that happened in our country in terms of slavery, in of terms of um, the 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 annihilation of Native peoples this other strand of American, you know, philosophy is about freedom and freedom to worship, not have not actually fulfilled that at all times in American history, equality, not having, having fulfilled that at all times in American history. But the ideals are not about having a religious state, not about having like an Ayatollah of America, right. in, like in Iran, you know, not about having a fascist quasi-democratic leader in a Hungarian president who these right-wingers want to applaud or yes. a dictator like Putin who has, you know, basically elections that don't actually matter because he's controls all the levers and he is a murderous di dictator. Like that's not actually American. Like America at its best, at its best is anti-fascist, is pro-freedom, pro-equality, you know, Pro, right. uh, you know, religious uh, freedom of conscience and not this repressive regime that these right wingers want to impose on us. And that is why I'm feeling pretty confident about November. Now, I don't I don't say it a lot because I don't want anyone to get complacent. Not that I have the power to make people complacent. But if uh, I do believe that there's going to be a blue wave, I think it's going to be a a, a a just routing of if Trump is indeed the nominee, because who knows, he could be convicted of multiple criminal uh, crimes by then, possibly, depending on the courts. Um, but I, I, I think the American people are appalled by this move toward everything you just said, Lisa, towards Trump's wanting to be a dictator, towards them embra Republicans embracing Viktor Orban and, and, and Vladimir Putin and, um, you know, and saying, oh, screw NATO and all right, we don't need that. And I, I think and and especially what has been done to women's rights uh, to to control our own bodies. 
I think it's going to be an historic um, decimation of what's left of the Republican Party. But I don't say that a lot because I don't want people to think, ah, I don't need to vote. I think it's more important than ever because we need to make those numbers as huge as possible to make sure that they know that there's no mistake here, that Donald Trump can't say, oh, they stole the, ele- they stole the election. I only, only need 11,000 votes. No, I want it to be so de- decisive that, that there's no question. And I think it will be as long as, um, you know, uh, people don't get distracted by other issues. Um, the, the, the future of this American experiment, democracy, is on the line, as, as is our rights, uh, our freedom, our very freedom. And I don't think that's hyperbole. No, I don't think so either. And I would say personally, Nicole, um, if if Trump were to win, it doesn't matter what the House does, what the Senate does, because he wouldn't be bound by it. No. He signaled that he doesn't think he's bound by any law. That's right. He signaled that he doesn't think that he has to. Anything he does is lawful. His lawyer argued in court, <laughs> the one we talked about the last time I was on yep. the show, argued in court that if he if he assassinated his political enemies, he could not be charged with a crime unless the Senate impeached him and the Senate impeachment standard requires a supermajority, meaning his party right. to go along with him. And his right. party has basically gone along with him, despite the fact that he obviously tried to stop the votes from being counted on January 6th and unleashed incited a mob of insurrection That's to right. attack to attack our very democracy. So he he is an extremely dangerous person. That's right. Like Oprah says, when someone tells you who they are, is it Oprah? I, no, I, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was Maya Angelou. Angelou. <laughs> yeah. When Maya Angelou like, says, when someone tells you who they are, believe, believe them. Believe them the first time. On the first day of right. office, he will he will basically send the troops in the, in the streets to round up anyone who opposes yes. him. He now, will look deploy at what's the Justice Department no matter in who's Russia. in charge. Right. Yeah. Right. He'll put his guy, Jeff Clark, who's a total tool, who's been indicted, uh, you know, who has, has, you know, in my view, my opinion, broken the law, has no fitness to be the attorney general to put him in as acting attorney general to say, sure, Trump, do whatever you want. Like he will not follow any rules. It will be the end of our democracy and everything you care about your job. You're the stability of our economy. Uh, Like the idea that we're going to pull out of NATO and basically allow allow Putin to take over Europe. Yeah. Everything you care about, anything that's normal, like having supply chains that work, they'll be broken. His economic agenda would destroy us. Trade war. A trade war is part of what, you know, got us into the wars of 100 years ago. That's right. Having trade wars. Um, you know, I mean, at, at every single turn, the policies are are disasters. Everything you care about, whether it's choice, whether, you know, abortion, know. whether it's access to health care, having health care, having access to Social Security that's not privatized, having public schools, having public parks, having public highways. Like they I, it is not hyperbole not at to all. describe what he said he's going to do on day one if he becomes president. And that would make the other branches irrelevant. And if the courts ruled against him, do you think he's going to follow them? No, 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 not for a second. No, <laughs> no. he'd probably have stereo. them arrested. That was legitimately right? in stereo. <laughs> I know. Right. Because it, because it's common sense, because we understand how to, you know, look at history and and predict what this person would do, who's already told us and shown us what he would do. And that's why when someone like Ezra Klein, you know, writes in the New York Times that 
you know, Joe Biden, who's done a remarkably good job. And and you hear from everybody who's spoken to him, everybody on from other the other party, his opposition, who says, I, I've always found him to be very on top of everything. Um, I, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought here because I'm so wound up. I don't uh, Ezra Klein. You know what? I have a little song for him. I don't know if you've heard this song, Lisa. It's not for you. This goes out to Ezra Klein. I just need you to shut the fuck up because nobody asked you, bitch. I need you to shut the fuck up, bitch. Shut the fuck up, bitch. Just shut the fuck up, bitch. Shut the fuck up, bitch. Okay, every now and then, you need to tell these people to shut the fuck up. I I think the New York Times is working overtime to say, look, we're we're not partisan. We we give it both to both sides. This is not the time for that. And Ezra Klein should know better. I think I think he should be canceled. Uh, I feel like I feel like we should do a whole series of songs to Chattanooga Choo Choo because it's just such a good it's such a good song. But it reminds me this is definitely a personal side. I I lost my voice um, during the second impeachment uh, trial. I couldn't go on the air to talk about it because I lost my voice for about three weeks. I had this these this great ear, nose and throat doctor and I got them a, a shut shut the fuck up. <laughs> cup because <laughs> I just thought you know they were telling me shut up you know right. you need to get your voice back so but um you know I am I am really shocked by like the some of the media repeating the mistakes of 2016 yes. which is the normalization of of Trump the sort of not covering the Nazis marching in the streets and Tennessee, instead focusing Nashville. on Nashville you know, Nazis uh, in the streets in Nashville yeah. this weekend yeah. where's the outrage yeah you know, stuff like that, like where I feel like there's a lot of things that they could choose to cover that would really illuminate instead of like what the hundredth version of uh, some Republican at a cafe in a hat likes Trump and <laughs> why, diner, you know, like, right. I, right. I mean, like, it's not like I don't care. Like in general, I care that some of the American people have been so deceived by this yes. demagogue, um, you know, but but this idea that we're still trying to discover, like, where's the coverage of the progressive movement that has, you know, come out in droves to rebuke this Supreme Court? Where's the like real coverage of the stories about how the Ohio, Ohio women and men, you know, banded together to, to, to face the onslaught of money from Leonard Leo and these anti-choice, anti-abortion groups to try to overturn their access to abortion? Like, there's a lot of good things happening in terms of mobilization, in terms of people lot of people coming together and then there's a lot of like individual efforts small efforts of people who are trying to like still trying to break through to that uh sort of you know um lost family member who has who's who's just you know breathing and eating and drinking this junk on fox you know uh still trying to you know communicate with them still trying to you know call out to the humanity to recognize this dictator um in waiting uh for what he is um, but instead we get, you know, more of these, you know, like um, uh, little uh, focus groups with um, Republicans who, you know, uh, somehow still are buying the lies and not actually in real time rebuttal of those lies. Um, but the other thing I'll say, uh, and I think we might have talked about this last time, Nicole, but like one of the things that was really interesting about the coverage out of Iowa 
is it sort of exemplifies that. There were all these headlines that Trump won by the biggest margin in Iowa for a Republican. The reality is, is that's because usually there are more people in the race. Right. So first of all, the, there's like, let's say there's eight people in the race. So the numbers are divided eight ways. And so the difference between the top two candidates sure. is smaller because there's eight candidates. In this case, there were technically four, but really three candidates in the race. And almost half of them did not vote for Trump. That's right. That's and that should have been the story. Yes. Like, almost half the people, not that he got the biggest margin, like that it was 20 points higher than DeSantis. Doesn't like, matter. Let's say hypothetically it's 24 DeSantis, 23 Haley, you know, barely 50 Trump. It's that almost half of the Republicans, when they had a chance, did not, did not vote, vote for him. Right. They That's voted the against headline. him. But that is the was, headline. Because yeah. remember, he, like, is, he wins by biggest margin. Right. The, the incumbent, but, you know, because he is basically their incumbent, even though, no, yeah. he's not president now. But he's their guy. And the party has got still 80 percent approval. And the Republican Party is probably higher than that. But I refuse to go there. The, uh, it's it's inconceivable and that the media is still trying to play. Oh, well, we're, we're being fair. No, you're not. You're, you're having blinders on and you're, you're fucking around with the future of our democracy. It's kind of, kind of scary. Well, um, well, and the other part is like, you know, Fox who, you know, paid that, that huge settlement. Uh, learn nothing the, from it. Yeah. I mean, it's just going on and on and on. And then, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't say just, the appalling spectacle of Tucker Carlson Ugh. kissing Ugh. Putin's ring. And Putin then dissing uh, yeah. him and saying, I thought I'd at least get some challenging questions, but this was not that. Yeah, John Oliver had the best line about that, which was fire your advisor if you thought you were <laughs> going to get a tough question from Tucker Carlson, Putin. Like that guy did not, or woman did not give you the right advice. They didn't know Tucker Carlson if you didn't think he was going to come and suck up to you. Right. No, um, but this is the Trump world. Um, you yeah. know, th- one thing I I got to get to before we run out of time, and I'm just, I'm loving talking. I love talking to you all the time. This is it's the best. But the, the the I was hoping that by the time we spoke today, we would have heard something from the Supreme Court on their we're waiting for their answer on Trump's appeal of the D.C. Circuit Court's. Uh, dismissal saying, no, you, there is no such thing as absolute immunity and no, you can't send out your SEAL Team 6 to assassinate your political rival. Yes, you would be prosecuted for that. And uh, no, you don't have immunity. There is no such thing. You're a former president. You're not president. And uh, if you commit a crime, I don't care who you are, you get prosecuted. Why haven't they released this? Why haven't they come out with an answer yet? Yeah, I don't know. But, you know, it, it's astonishing. I think Neil Katyal had a tweet last week, which was something like before the impeachment, they said that he could impeach to be, be impeached if he was if he wasn't charged with a crime. That was part of their argument. Right. Um, and then as soon as he as soon as he's charged with a crime, they say he can't be charged with a crime if he's not impeached. <laughs> like it's it's just such a circular, just nonsense game of nonsense by his lawyers um, and him. Uh, and it's in defiance of the rule of law. It like I mean, it's. Like, you know, as uh, John John Dean wrote about Bush briefly, it's worse than Nixon. This is worse mm. than Nixon. Oh, this is, you know, way worse because <laughs> like he literally thinks the law does not apply to him, never applied to him, would never, could never, can't ever, doesn't matter what he does. And and that D.C. Circuit, um, which was a uh, filled with people appointed from both parties, <clears throat> that D.C. Circuit decision rebukes him totally and rightfully on that absurd immunity claim. And also, right. by the way, an immunity 
notion that isn't anywhere in the U.S. Constitution. Like, so it's an invented doctrine that the Justice Department propped up to support um, Nixon briefly in the Nixon administration. And then it was reaffirmed during the Clinton administration, but I think it shouldn't have. That's certainly a regret in my view that never should have happened. It was and 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 it's made up. Why? I mean, that's actually an immunity position for like prosecuting a president while sitting in office. (laughs) Never has there been a notion that a president can't be charged with crimes he commits um, after he leaves office from within office and certainly that he doesn't get immunity for having been a president forever. Right. But but Trump lives by this. Well, when the president does it, that means that it is not illegal. Yeah. And, and Roger Stone has that guy's face tattooed on his back. So, you know, uh, that's not <laughs> that's not real. That's Nixon, who was until, uh, you know, Trump, the most criminal president ever, at least in our lifetimes. Um, Lisa Graves, this is so, you know, I, I one thing that I'm wondering, and, and I'd love your opinion on it, is if the, the D.C. Circuit, it was the three-judge panel who ruled unanimously, and they said, and they took great, they took time and wrote this great um, opinion un, under one voice. It wasn't like three separate things. So from what I learned from you and some others is that they wanted it to be as unimpeachable as possible, like the, so that the Supreme Court could look at it and say, we're not even going to hear it, what they said, <laughs> what she said, what they said. Um, and now maybe that, yes, that, that's how they're ruling, but there could be, go figure, oh, Thomas and Alito dissenting, and they're waiting for them to write their dissents and they're taking their sweet time. I mean, that's definitely a possibility. I, I have no I have no confidence that they wouldn't try to game the system. They've clearly been playing footsie with the right. Yep. Notwithstanding Trump, notwithstanding Alito's claim that, you know, he didn't share the the Hobby Lobby decision before it was issued. I mean, there was certainly substantial evidence that the newspaper accounted for to indicate that, in fact, he had tipped about the decision. And we know from uh, the historical record that uh, that Scalia was also tipping basically people about the decisions. And then we have, um, you know, Thomas uh, going to that Bohemian Grove event a couple of years ago and saying basically he was going to overturn Chevron. So, you know, cry me a river on their supposed, you know, devotion to ethics and that they would never game the system. These politicians in robes in the form of Alito and Thomas, certainly, and some of the others, um, I don't trust them to actually um, play by the rules. They're basically making up the rules as they go and trying to advance their own agenda, their political agenda to um and and Thomas, the fact that he hasn't recused oh, himself, given the fact that his horrible. wife was so actively involved in trying to overturn the election, trying to convince legislators in Arizona and Wisconsin to subvert the election and stop the count. I mean, it is unconscionable for that man to be um, hearing that yes. case at all. And um, I'll just do one plug because I okay. have been talking about personal capacity. But in my professional capacity, I did write a piece for Common Dreams about uh, Thomas not recusing a Bush v. Gore and how he and Jenny, they're their nest was feathered, how they got more than a million dollars in in revenue from the Heritage Foundation after Thomas voted in that 5-4 decision and his wife was promoted at the at oh the God. Heritage Foundation. That's a case he should have recused himself on and he didn't. And the result of that is has was a disaster for our country. I will find that piece and I will link to it uh, from the blog where I post today's show. It'll be at NicoleSandler.com slash 2-20-24. That's the format I always post them in. So any date you can pull up the show and listen. No paywall, though we do survive on your donations and all that. Um, Lisa Graves, I could 
I could talk to you for hours. I love these gatherings, and and so do the listeners. The chat room loves you as well. So thank you for for coming on and, and hanging with us and and sharing your. Uh, wealth of knowledge. I so appreciate it. Tomorrow on the program, Rachel Bittacoffer returns. She's got a new book out and she, I love her because, you know, she's profane as I am. She's not afraid to throw around a few F words and she knows her shit. She's a great political strategist and she's got some great advice for the Democrats on how to win. So we'll talk to her tomorrow, Lisa, and we'll talk to you soon. I uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As always. It's a joy to be on your show, Nicole. Thank you so much. I always appreciate the invitation and hello to the listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. We all love you. Thank you so much. Finally, it's also at truenorthresearch.org. Go check out the site. There's a bunch of stuff there. You'll learn something. All right. Thanks, Lisa. And thank you, guys. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Ah. (laughs) I, 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 I I need to fix the picture here. All right. Thanks. Peace out. Bye.